Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to the New Books Network. In 1984... In an extraordinary act of compassion and brotherhood, Israel airlifted thousands of persecuted and starving Ethiopian Jews from Africa to Israel. They had been waiting in Ethiopia for millennia, sustained by the hope and the belief that one day they would return home to the Holy Land. Among the refugees was an eight-year-old boy, Danny Adino Abibi, Now an Israeli journalist, Abibi tells the story of his family and his village and the journey they traveled from Ethiopia through Sudan to Israel and the even longer distance from a rural village life without indoor plumbing, electricity, or books to a modern society. Sadly, many who left the villages did not survive the hardships of the journey and many of those who did reach the promised land were emotionally wounded in the process. Immigrants in all times and places struggle with loss. They struggle to understand and adapt to their new country, to find a way to fit in, and to expand their identity to incorporate the old along with the new. But few must leap a cultural gap as wide as that which this group faced. In his new country, Adino Abibi encountered both embrace and rejection. He experienced both astonishing support and appalling prejudice. As he matured, he recognized that both attitudes exist among his former countrymen in Africa as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Renee Garfinkel, your host on the New Books Network, with the Van Leer Jerusalem series on ideas. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We're pleased to welcome Danny Adino Abibi to the show today to talk about his book, From Africa to Zion, The Shepherd Boy Who Became Israel's First Ethiopian-Born Journalist. Danny Adino Abibi, welcome to the podcast. Shalom, Rene. Thank you so much. Great uh, to be here. 
let's get right into your experience so the uh, the audience will have some sense of what you and your family and the other immigrants from Ethiopia went through. What was it like to be a Jewish boy in Ethiopia? And what was your parents' experience there? Well, um, to be um, a Jewish boy um, in Ethiopia, uh, very far from any civilization, no running water, no electricity. I mean, just um, if you have opportunity, open the first page of uh, uh, a Bible, Genesis, and uh, God created everything, include my village when I was born, and he didn't come back. He didn't return. He was really far, even for God. I mean, to be a boy, um, a Jewish boy in, in, uh, in Ethiopia, in my village, was like to be a dreamer. My whole life, I dreamed to get to Jerusalem one day. I mean, it was, it was my goal, my personal goal. It was all Ethiopian community dream. I mean, I mean, I grew up as a dreamer. It was, I wanted to get one day to Jerusalem. It was my, it was my dream. It was my goal. It was my life. And I was thinking, always about wanting, about Jerusalem. It was my dream. I mean, I was, you know, I was a shepherd boy when I was uh, a young boy. And I had a very simple position as a shepherd boy. I took uh, my my cows, my sheep, my dogs, whatever, whatever we had. We hadn't a lot of things, God, thanks God. And, and I remember myself as a young, I just, I, I wanted to be here. I wanted to touch Jerusalem. I wanted to be part of Israeli, the Jewish community. And, you know, uh, Renee, I don't know if you know, I didn't know about white people. I was thinking old people around were the blacks. And I remember uh, <laughs> the first time when I saw a white man, I was really shocked. And I thought he, he, he's sick. And it was really, you can see how really my village, my life in village, uh, it was so far from real set of Israel life as community. And, um, and, um, I would love to say, I mean, I was dreamer boy. It's it's mean to be, I, I mean, the, the locals people, by the way, non-Jewish community, those people called us always Falasha. It's mean Falasha is temporary resident. For them, even we having home, we were almost 2,000 years temporary resident of Ethiopia. That's quite amazing. Mm. Uh, you you mentioned the Bible, and as uh, of course you know, mm. uh, shepherds are uh, very important in the Hebrew Bible. Definitely, 
Agreed. Moses was a shepherd. David, King David, was a shepherd. Um, and and do you have some thoughts about how, having been a shepherd, how that work prepares a person for leadership? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, to be, I mean, to be a shepherd boy, it's, it's meant to be lead something, to leader. Probably our uh, new era leader should be uh, shepherds. Uh, before all of them going to be a, a leader, us. I mean, I definitely. It's, I mean, it's, it's what I, but it was really great job. Is I mean, I remember my um, silence conversation with my ships, my dogs, my donkeys. I I talked with them. We had conversation between us. I knew each of them. I got name. I gave them name. I remember even I, I, it's really complicated to to feel what it means shepherd boy. And we had seven, six, seven cows. I remember them. St- I mean, even now, I remember their name. It was. I mean, to be we had very feminine connection. With I mean, I don't know if this mean I lead them. And uh, and um, and I had it was my job by the way I've been I made my job and I didn't go I didn't have opportunity to go to go school and I mean I walked up um, very early and I took my cows my ships to 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 field it it was my job and. Uh, I, I, my my father said I was really great shepherd boy. I believe in him. I was. So you mean, were it, a it, very... It's a very good job. It's to mean to believe something. And, and uh, you know, I, you can, I can't uh, describe myself as a leader of, uh, I don't know, cows, shepherds, whatever. It's like to be politics. Well, let's let's try to get a, a look at a child. You know, your childhood. Let's say compared with your children's childhoods. Hmm. Now, you you didn't read. You didn't go to school. Um, and in fact, the adults in your village were also not literate. But let's stick to childhood. And you had a responsible job, hmm. um, being a shepherd. What 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 else characterized childhood in Ethiopia? What, what how, how were children treated? Mm, good question. This is a little bit complicated to make compare between my childhood and my uh, uh, Israeli and Saba uh, who were born in Israel. I have four kids. Uh, my kids, um, all of them uh, born in Israel. They have an um, exile accent, right? Right. And it's very Israeli, but blacks. It's very important for them. And probably we'll talk about um, my skin sh- uh, color issue. And I mean, it's for me, um, when I was a young boy, uh, I mean, in my village, it's, I, I, I mean, I took responsibility about everything. And because it's mean, it, 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 my childhood was, I mean, 
any kids in Ethiopia, except the, I mean, I was a child, but it's, I had a position from a little boy when I was really, really young. My, my mom and my father gave me uh, a position. I did it. And, and because, you know, it's, I mean, to be a child in Ethiopia is, be, is, is mean to be employed. Okay, I got position. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, my father, my parents hadn't a lot of kids. We are full kids, four boys, and we were um, very strongly worker boy. I mean, my my father, he didn't say, "Okay, I have four kids." He said, "I have four worker," and because you know, this was like. Every every parents, it's not just specifically my parents, because kids in Ethiopia is power, worker, and my kids in Israel is <laughs> a little bit ask them something to do it. They said, <laughs> "Abba, it's not my job." Right. And I remember even you know when I was a young, my father he didn't say a lot if he wanted to do something if he if he he wanted to ask something from us. He didn't say nothing. It was just, you know, he just, you know, he focused, say, guys, do it. And I remember I, 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 I did very quickly. Here in Israel, I have a long negotiation with my kids. Right. I mean, it's this long negotiation to do something, even to, to make, uh, to, to do homework. It's just like, I mean, I'm, it's like I have at home negotiation like Israeli-Palestinian negotiation every day. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, you, you mentioned the prejudice uh, that uh, the Jews of the village experienced, but that they were, after almost 2,000 years in Ethiopia, they were referred to as uh, uh, residents, falashas, foreigners, basically. Um, it, it, talk a little bit about... Uh, the other groupings in Ethiopia, if you will, ethnic, racial, religious makeup, what perhaps in your village you didn't have a lot of other people, but maybe you did. Tell us, tell us about how that is. What's the diversity of the population in oh, Ethiopia? Definitely. I mean, in our neighbors, um, we'll, I mean, we lived uh, separate Jewish village uh, from uh, other ethnic groups, Muslim, Christian, and, and others. And we had, to be honest, Lee, we had really great relationship with our neighbor, with Muslim, and with Christians. Every, or, I mean, all of them, they, those people, I mean, non-Jewish community, they knew about our religion. For example, uh, on Shabbat, it's a great opportunity, and, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, our neighbors respect us always, right? On Shabbat, I mean, those people now in the Jewish community in the Jewish village stopped to work from Friday afternoon until uh, uh, Sunday morning, something like that. And we had great. Uh, I mean, my the the best friend of my father. Right, were all of them was Christian and Muslim. We had really great uh, relationship. 
we we didn't suffer um by anti-semitism active uh, because we were a jewish community i don't remember myself i asked my parents about uh anti-semitism anti-semitism or something like that my father said yes those people called as falasha but but because we describe ourselves as a falasha said we we are temporary people we were temporary resident almost 2000 years the local peoples in ethiopian non-just local people didn't call us um i don't know uh, something um unreal uh, unreal things and those people respect us we respect them and even you know when we decided to leave when we left our village my father shared with few of them this huge secret he told them and, and i mean non jewish and muslim and christian he shared with them said the god sent us musad community musad people to to take us and we have to leave to jerusalem and we had we had really really great connection relationship and the government is another issue but you know in the, in the, you should know, you have to know the ethiopian christianity is really different than another christianity around the world it's more closer to for judaism even if you remember emperor of ethiopia Haile Selassie, he called himself uh, 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 as a Jewish, he, he, I mean, he describes him, he came from Judah tribe. The answer, I mean, he said, I am uh, a very proud of Jewish uh, from Sheba, Queens, something like that. And um, in the end, I mean, we had really great connection, great relationship. And, and yet you, yeah. and, 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 uh, and yet you write in your book, mm-hmm. and I was appalled to read it, uh, that early marriages were often arranged by Jewish parents because they were afraid that their girls who were unmarried would be raped by their uh, Christian and Muslim neighbors from neighboring villages. Yeah, definitely. So I guess both things were true. or Definitely. It was true. Many of Ethiopian community, uh, uh, I mean, two... Definitely, should you have to know? I mean, one thing is we suffered by um, by um, very strongly um, uh, religion community from Christianity and the Muslim, right? And um, and um, all of them blame us always. Okay, you know the government, for example, didn't give us as a Jewish lands. Okay, they didn't give us nothing. I mean, because the, those people, the government knew we are not real resident of Ethiopia. We are temporary because we are Jewish. And it's really complicated to say all. I mean, generally, I mean, I talked, I mentioned about our neighbor, but I didn't say it's really complicated to say it's another. Christian people in, 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 in our area. Definitely in our, vill- in our neighborhood, uh, um, we had great 
relationship, but they generally, if you talked about, um, if, if you mentioned about Ethiopian as a Christian and Muslim community, many of them didn't act, they didn't like us definitely. And what I mentioned uh, on my book this was really true. Definitely, you can see a lot of you know my mom, for example, she got married with my father when she was eleven years old. Eleven. Wow. Yeah, she was eleven years old. And because, uh, like, uh, men, men, this is it's average uh, um, age of Ethiopian um, youngest girls, many of them varied between nine to twelve, because it was uh, a specific technique to 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 save them from uh, from reps and from another different attacks. Yeah, unfortunately. My Let's, mom, she, she, oh, she's sorry. still with my father <laughs> many, many years. And That's she's really the best woman, I think. Wonderful. Yeah, I believe. Uh, let's talk a little about the journey from Ethiopia to Israel or <laughs> yeah. Jerusalem, as, as you and your family and everyone there referred to the whole country. Mm. Um, you had to walk from your village to Sudan Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, well, and what you found when you got to the refugee camp in Sudan was yeah. pretty bad. Tell us about your own and your father's, uh, traumatic experiences at the Sudanese border. Let's start something, you know, one of the huge problem of, uh, Ethiopian community before we left, uh, and start to walk to Sudan uh, um, Sudan, and before you have to know, Israeli, all Israeli former leaders, and specifically, if to be specific, in the, the labor parties in the Flegeta Voda in Israel, didn't recognize us as a Jews. And, and the Ashkenazim rabbis didn't recognize us as a Jews. Almost, I mean, since, uh, State of established in 1984, and uh, only in 1977, if you remember, after then uh, 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 Mr. Begin became um, as a prime minister, he was the first Israeli prime minister decided to recognize us as a Jew, as a Jew which Rabbi Uvadia Yosef is uh, Faradim chief rabbi. In, in 1979, uh, by the way, uh, Mr. Begin, he invited uh, the, the chief of Mossad and another um, agencies, and then they give them opportunity to, to, to tell them, by the way, go to bring Ethiopian Jews uh, to be part of Israel society. And uh, yeah, let's talk about my uh, personally uh, journey, and I remember it was Rosh Hashanah night on Friday night, and we didn't know nothing about. It. You're and talking about leaving and, Ethiopia, yeah, and, and walking my, to my, Sudan. My village. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, you know, Renee, we didn't know nothing, and I remember myself and my father. He walked up uh, us uh, around uh, I don't know one uh, one o'clock after midnight, and and uh, he sold out everything, 
we had, you know, we had a lot of things, but yeah. And, but we didn't understand why. And, um, he, we worked up my, my, my brothers and I, and to get out from our small house, very, very ancient house. And we saw around 700 people, my old friends, my old Jewish neighbor. And we saw them outside ready to go. And we didn't know to, to wear. I, I, kids, children, a lot of people, we didn't say nothing. It was really quiet silence. We just, we started to walk a long way. And after, I don't know, after three, four hours, it, it was in the first time someone said, okay, guys, we starting our journey to Jerusalem to Jerusalem, it's going to be a long way, but yeah, after 2000 years, this is our moment. You should be strong. You should save your kids, your family. It's your opportunity to get to Jerusalem after 2000 years. It was the first time I saw my father cried. I mean, my whole life, I didn't see him when he cried sometimes. He didn't cry. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't opportunity to see him to, I mean, when, when he started to cry, it was really, I shocked my father, my hero. It was said, wow. And I asked him what happened. He said, yeah, we, we are living now and to Jerusalem. You couldn't believe. Enormously and, dramatic, really. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, fantastically. And, that, and, uh, and we started our, our journey and um, we didn't know how long and tour, how it's going to be uh, difficult and complicated for our life. And, and what did you find when you got to Sudan? Do you remember? Nothing. It was, it was, you know, and I mean, we walked by barefoot around 800 kilometers. We walked and, and it was shocked. And after a month, months, a week, we arrived um, in Sudan. We didn't know nothing was going on because no one told us what's next. What, 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 what I mean, we didn't know nothing. We just arrived in the, the local uh, Sudanian soldier received us and they gave us um, a tent, the white tent. And, uh, I remember in the, in the, the first picture I saw, I saw a lot of white tents and empty area, desert. I mean, it was, I was really shocked. I, 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 I was thinking it's Jerusalem. No, it's not Jerusalem. And it was, it was in Sudan when we arrived and 
the Mossad agent came to, it was the first white man I saw in my life. Mm-hmm. And he came to, to, to our tent as a doctor. <laughs> he wasn't a doctor. And he, he told us he's going to be here in a refugee camp a month. Don't worry about that. And we stayed a year. Mm. And we lost a lot of people. Majority, you can't find a, you couldn't find any family, an Ethiopian family who didn't lost some, someone there. It was really hard and complicated. We had a small Auschwitz. We suffered. And, and and we lost a lot of friends, kids, and, and even my parents, my father, he lost it, his lovely sister. And she, I mean, she stayed behind her two kids. One of them was, that time he was a, a year and a half. I mean, no, who I mean, Operation Moses, it was complicated. Unfortunately, after we arrived and almost four decades, we had an opportunity to, to tell our, our history, our journey. We were really, really busy to be uh, part of Israeli society, to struggle to be part of Israeli society. We want to be Israeli. The government, Israeli government, decided to change our name from our real name, Ethiopian Jewish name, to the Israeli name. And the government decided to change my name from Adino to Dani. Uh, yeah. And changing your name was one part of the culture yeah. shock it of arriving in Israel. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about what it was like to come to Israel, having never seen a refrigerator or a <laughs> toilet, or yeah. as you, you had already met your first uh, Jewish person who was white. But Yeah, um, exactly. I was really yeah. shocked. I'm still shocked, to be honest. Well, I mean, well, I mean, it was, I was really shocked. I was really shocked because... I remember my first shoes. Uh, someone gave me in or in in at or in 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 of Arad. It was uh, you know. Do you remember we? I mentioned many times um, about Jerusalem, and when we arrived, we didn't go to directly to Jerusalem, and the first. The government decided to, I mean, to 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 take us uh, Arad, like Jerusalem, so, so far from Jerusalem. Anyway, it was we were really shocked, and it was my first time I saw a building. It was in the first time I saw a fridge, and I remember we didn't touch a fridge at least three days. We touched his house of someone. And we didn't know how to use buy gas and buy everything. And we were really, <laughs> it was really shocked. 
And I remember that the government took us and put us on um, fifth floor. And my father said, what's going on here? What you can do? And it was, we were really shocked. So you had never seen a staircase before? No, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> definitely no. And how to just buy buy a, a toilet? Right. You know, I mean, I, I just I, I taken the first book of the and the the, the 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 Bible, Genesis book. It was our village. Right. The gap between us and Israeli society, our real life. In Israel, it was at least 300 years difference. Now, it usually, was unreal. I mean, usually children adapt faster than definitely. adults. Yeah. And, and often in immigrant groups, women ad- adjust before the men because they have to deal with the food shopping and getting <laughs> to a doctor and getting the kids in school and all of that. What happens to immigrant families like yours when the kids adapt first and the women as well and more successfully than the men? What happens to family life? Well, my, my mom, she better than my father. And after four decades, my mom, she knows everything. She got driver license. She knows how to speak Hebrew. She has the friends, non-Ethiopian friends, white, whatever. She knows everything. My father, probably, he left his village, but he's still in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And for men to be a new immigrant from different era is complicated. And, and definitely, my parents... For them, the, the 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 journey didn't end; they still continue for them. Because you know, the, probably yes, they had dream to get to Jerusalem one day. Almost two thousand years, okay, we were sending to next next year in Jerusalem in Jerusalem, but definitely we didn't know nothing how really Jerusalem complicated for our life. How will our journey continue? And he didn't know how to speak my father in Hebrew. And he didn't talk about what happened in Sudan refugee camp. And how really he was suffered there. And but you know, in the end, I can't it's all refugee people. I mean, who immigrate as an adult, it's really complicated for him. It's definitely for people came from a different century. And my parents came from different world. And it's just, it was my position. And uh, even my parents haven't opportunity to talk with Israel society about their journey and about their life, about their culture, in their traditional and because they're different language because the different cult- the culture difference something like that it was my position to talk about this life and even for us as a youngest who made Aliyah as youngest 
it was complicated. I told, I, I, I just I mentioned before because we came when, when you know what's mean. Do you remember the government decided to change our name? Even their my parents' name. My parents was born a Yidek, and the, the, the Jewish agents decided to call him. They gave him a new name, Yuda. What does it mean? What does it mean to change the name of your kids? The government said for my father and my mom as well, you are not important anymore. You done job. We, as a government, we know better than you what your kids need. And Is that how your parents interpreted it? Yeah. Because the reason I ask is it's classic in uh, America's stories of immigrations of Jews and other groups, mm. uh, the experience of having their name changed when they come into the country, mm. mostly, that's, that's the mythology in America, mostly because the immigration clerks are not familiar with those foreign names. So they say, okay, I can't pronounce that. Your name is now Joe Smith. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but, but, your, but your family felt it to be insulting or, or diminishing Renee, in some Renee, way. you should remember, you, you, you have to know that when I have a four kids, like I said, I now why I decided to give each of them his name. Name is something parents decided together because it's very, really important for them. Of course. It was a reason why my mom called me Adino. It was important reason for him, my father why he decided to call me Adino. When the government, you know, after 2,000 years, after a long journey, we got to Israel and end, and the, the Israeli government said, no, 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 welcome to Israel. From now, we'll give you a new name. We're going to change the names of your kids. You are not important anymore. We are a Danny, boss. Danny, you, you write with some resentment uh, about having to be to feel grateful to uh, Israelis who endangered themselves in order to rescue you and thousands of others, um, you write that they are heroes, uh, and that you—that is, you and other Ethiopian Jews—are not given credit for all you have endured. That, that the rescuers are given credit, but the people themselves are not. Uh, on top of that, Israel, the the magical, wonderful Jerusalem object of 2,000 years of longing mm -hmm. turned out not to be the paradise you imagined back in Ethiopia. Uh, you found a country of ordinary, flawed human beings and lots of difficulties, as you've described, many of them common to people who immigrate to cultures very different from the ones they left, mm -hmm. including, but not exclusively, mm -hmm. racial prejudice. So how do you personally deal with that resentment without letting it poison your joy and appreciation for your present life? 
What's your secret? You know, um, when I'm start, I mean, when I starting my my journey to be journalist in a, in Israeli IDF radio, it was because someone gave me opportunity. As a refugee, as a immigrated, who immigrated to from as a Zionist, right? I'm Zionist. I'm not immigrant. I'm here. I mean, I did, I mean, I just I'm returned to home. Israel is my real home. It's yes. my home. And and and, and, um, and the end. Israel societies is very, very tribes community, very tribes society. You can't see Ashkenazim and Sephardim and the British and Americans, Moroccan, you know. And Ethiopian community, unfortunately, we hadn't, we hadn't, um, we haven't really, by the way. I mean, we haven't. Um, uh, power of economic, uh, economic and politics, right? Right. And but we need people. Israeli Israel society can get a lot of very very nice people. I remember was when I was a young man, when I was a soldier. My officer, he was uh, his name Mushashlonsky, was very famous journalist. He took me as a project. He said. I'm going to help you. You should be journalist. I know. But he pushed me. And finally, I believe my parents is my hero. Even, unfortunately, my, my, my mom and my dad didn't write, didn't read even um, an article, once article from my my thousands and thousands of articles I wrote about Israel society because they didn't know how to read even their uh, mother tongue. It's really hard for them. But we're looking for opportunity. My, con- my community looking for opportunity. My community would love to be part of Israel society. Reach out skin color. For us, my color this is it's like color of water. I don't care. I'm a Jewish. My feelings very, very strongly Jewish. We would love to be part of Israel. We would, I mean, you can see a lot of my aides from my community. Many of them believe to serve Israeli society and army and other uh, different things. And we and a I, member I'm, and a member of Knesset as well. Members right. of Knesset, member yes. of the ministers, politician. I mean, right. politician definitely. You can see. I mean, if you remember, Renee, I, I just mentioned before the gap between us and Israel society. Past almost thirty-five, almost four decades, you can see how really our community, right, succeed. In Israeli society, even can see my, myself. I can. I'm. I'm real witness of this life, and I had an opportunity to ask from my parents anything: no money, no help of for 
for homework, something to, to do homework together, something like that. You can see it. But in the end, you can see a lot of doctors in the hospital, the judges, in the politics, and officers in Israel. I mean, if someone, if Israeli society, in the girl, I, I don't get. I, I don't think so. It's position of government. It's position of society. It must be right. society. We don't need government, by the way. In the end, I mean, you can't see the kids from school and an army and, 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 and I don't know, part of a uh, partner of you work, the Ethiopian. You can't ask him, push him, help him. It'll be complicated for him because they're different culture, different slang, but something like that. And I'm here because two different people pushed me up. They give me a lot of power. And I, I didn't have opportunity to give up because then I had really sometimes I got a hard time. I didn't understand a lot in the army. It was really complicated for me. Many my partner in the army came from very richest community but two different people one of them it was my officer and others it was someone they gave me a lot of power said Diani you can do it you can do it we are here for you as a parents are you parents yeah so that you had individuals who gave you opportunities Definitely. and and who believed in you and um, you, you must take some credit to yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, yes, definitely. I, I, I agree with um, I'm, um, agree with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had very emotionally, um, I mean, power to continue to be uh, a journalist. To be, I wanted to change the world. You know, it's like uh, the model man. Woman, I mean, I have a dream. I I wanted to be part like like everyone. Yeah, and and that uh, dream and honest, that drive and a exactly, little help and maybe exactly, a little luck. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 really really good. I mean, if someone, I mean, I, I remember my you know when I was um, when I start to work. Uh, as a journalist in Idiota Harold, one of them in the biggest newspaper in Israel. And I couldn't call to someone to ask him something. Even I couldn't call to my father, my mom. And I was really, I mean, I, I cried a lot. A lot. I was young and beautiful. I think so. I was beautiful. <laughs> and it was really hard for me, but I am when when I when I had hard time, I had the opportunity to call non-Ethiopian community to ask them help, and and it's it's, it's really hard because to be Ethiopian, a young man like me. In ninety something, twenty something years ago, it was really hard because, you know, our narrative as Ethiopian Jews, the Mossad agents did a lot for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But 
my real heroes was my parents. They were my parents. Who walked and you tell and you tell a wonderful well. story. Yeah. Uh, about the time your father mm. met and chatted with uh, the late author, the Holocaust survivor, uh, Aaron Applefeld. Uh, on the surface, they could not have appeared more different, one mm. African, one European, as you wrote, two men mm. who went through hell to get to the promised land. <laughs> Tell us about that experience. Well, wow. Yeah, it's really hard. Mm. Hard to describe? Yeah. Well, then I guess our listeners will have to buy your book and exactly. read it there. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. So finally, Danny, um, what do you imagine your life would be like today had you remained in Ethiopia? Wow. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, it was um, definitely probably I got very simple life. Like my parents, men probably I got uh, 10 kids. Uh, 10 kids, yeah. At least, yeah. I need, um, I need worker. Uh-huh. And now I have four kids. It's really, really, it's a lot for Israeli life. It's very expensive because in Ethiopia, kids is very cheap. You know? Right. Well, I, I probably uh, I was continuation of Ethiopian Jewish dream, definitely. And I was uh, continued to dream. And like my parents and like, like my grand grand grandparents said, next in Jerusalem, yeah. Well, amen. amen. <laughs> That's a wonderful point for us to stop on. Uh, Danny, it's been great talking with you. Your story really deserves to be known mm. and uh, learned from. Um, I wish you lots of good luck with your work going forward. And thank you for being on the show today. Renee, thank you so much. It's a great opportunity to be here. I am really appreciated. Thank you so, so much. And thanks to our researcher, Bela Pasikov. Bye-bye.